Welcome to a special episode of the podcast, Just Saying. Hi, my name is Joe McCormick. I'm your host. We live in some really challenging moments right now. So I've decided to put together uh, a special pairing of past podcast episodes to help you. Today's pairing focuses on the issue of being disconnected. Um, a lot of people right now are working um, remotely. Um, they're disconnected from their workforce. Uh, they're out on their own. Um, so I'm going to put together two podcasts that are related to the subject. Um, we need to make a more concerted effort than ever to stay connected with each other. And when we are connected to the people that we live with, because we might be working from home, um, to take advantage of that connection. So I've decided to pair a podcast number 34, which is called Minister of Loneliness. And it's about how the UK has signed that responsibility to somebody because people were alone. And then podcast number 59 called It Takes a Hurricane to Get Us to Talk. And it was about how a hurricane hit the East Coast and people were stuck in their house and how they got off their phones and started talking to each other. Each of these get to the point of being connected and being disconnected and how we need to manage those moments. So that's the point of the pairing. I hope you enjoy. So what we're going to tackle today is being so connected. Too connected, actually. Recently, I had a conversation with my brother-in-law, and he shared a news article with me, which I found really surprising, almost troubling. And it was from um, England, where Britain had appointed a minister for loneliness amid the growing trend of isolation. And I thought, the minister of what? And it turns out that in England nowadays, and I can only think about life in the United States and other parts of the world, the majority of people, it turns out, over the age of 75 live alone. And about 200,000 older people in the UK have not had a conversation with a friend or relative in more than a month. So what England had done was they, they created a ministry to help people in this area of isolation where they're just living alone. And they don't talk to people. And it's a terrible thing, right, you know, to be isolated. I could only imagine how horrible that might be. So when you look at the issue here of the world we live in and how it's changing and what it's becoming, one of the things that I really want people to be aware of is you know, the threat of constant connectivity and the effect it can have on you personally. Certainly in the book, we talked about being brief and the need to be clear and concise. And well, why do you need to do that? Well, sir, there's a lot of information headed in our way and there's interruptions and you're overwhelmed by information and emails and social media and constant connectivity and all these things around us that really force us to need to, to be better communicators and cut through the clutter. But if you look at the reality, the research is staggering. Um, there was an article in NPR that said be, that people on social media are more, that use social media more than two hours a day had twice as much odds of isolation than people that used social media for only a half hour a day. In another article in Forbes magazine, they said that the most, the most cases of isolation um, occur with people under 35 who are the most prolific social media users. And this just kind of triggered in me a, an incident that happened a few years ago, not too long ago, where my, one of my daughters uh, 
during the summer went to one of her friend's lake houses. And she was all excited about going with a bunch of her friends to the lake house and they went off and for the weekend and they came back after the week away. And of course, when she walked in the door, we were like, how was your, how was the weekend and whatever and, and what happened, et cetera. And she was really disappointed. And I sat her down, I'm like, what happened? And she says, well, you know, dad, when I was, when I was there at the lake house, um, all the girls that were there, they all took out their phones and they were on their phones the whole weekend. She's like, we didn't talk at all. And I thought that was, that's terrible. You know, I'm, I mean, at some point she, she must be exaggerating. She was like, no, and they were on their phones all the time. So much so that she goes, I just didn't feel connected to any of them. And they were her quote unquote friends from school. And it kind of made me think like, all right, you're glued to these things so much. How could it be that you're in the same house with all of your friends and you can't have a conversation? Well, the irony of the whole thing is that all this time online to connect, ironically, is leading people to isolation. And, you know, that's a terrible thing. And obviously, to appoint a minister for loneliness is just sort of a leading indicator of what is happening today in our world. And I think that it's something to think about. You know, this feeling that you're connected and you have friends and followers and posts and commentary and all this connection. And you look at people's networks and how many people I'm connected to on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and all of, you know, Snapchat, all these different things where you're connected to just hundreds, if not thousands of people. But it begs the question, but how are your real connections? You know, what is, what's really happening to you in your life? And I read a quote in a book um, that caught my attention. The book is called Bored and Brilliant. And I'll talk a little bit more about this in, in subsequent podcasts, but the basic point of this book is that you need to let yourself be bored to have brilliant ideas. Well, in this book, when reading it, there was a quote from this woman, Sophia, that really caught my attention because it was just troubling. And it's honesty. And she said, I've been feeling too drawn to my iPad recently, and it's all for relatively meaningless stuff. I keep being reminded that life is short and I know I will be full of regrets about the role the iPad played in my life when I'm running out of days. When I was reading that, I just, it really, it hit me that this consumption with information comes at a cost. And that cost is the time spent there is robbing us from time spent with people. And we just have to be aware of it. I'm not saying that it's bad, but what I am saying is that the sense of being connected is actually being disconnected. Um, that, that feeling that you have, that you have all of this connectivity may be misleading and it may be leading us into isolation. Um, so here's a couple of things to think about just as you, as you go through your day-to-day -day life, you know, so you're, you're doing these things. I am too. You wake up and you're and you're checking things, and you feel like you know you are. You know, you're texting people and they're texting you back, and you're sending emails and they're responding, and then you're checking social media and people are liking things, and there's all of this this real sense of like, no, I'm I'm more connected than ever, and I think in some ways that feeling becomes almost like true. So you know, years ago when my life was very very different. 
you know, I would have a set of friends, but I, I'm not nearly as up to date or connected with my group of friends or, or associates or, you know, professional connections than I've ever been. And that's all thanks to social media and, and, and all the advances in technology, which are amazing. You know, I can, I can look at a news, a news feed on LinkedIn and, and really keep track of hundreds, if not thousands of people that I've met over the years. And it's, it really is remarkable to see and stay visible to what's going on. And, and certainly in my personal life, when I check Facebook and some of these other things like Instagram, and it really can give me a sense of like a, almost like a digital magazine of what's going on with the people around me. But I have to be careful that the people that I'm connected to, I might actually lose contact with over over time. And I, I, I felt that personally to be the case for me. And it happens. And I, and, I, and I think that it's something that I need to be aware of and I need to, I, I need to work on because the more connected I am, I might be becoming more disconnected because I feel like I'm covering off on that, on that part of my life. So I think the first thing is, is to monitor. You know, monitor how much time... You know, I'm glued to um, it, and I'll refer to it as, well, it could be certainly social media, as we mentioned, but, you know, news feeds, and I'm, I'm getting in, you know, all this information coming away. I'm glued to it, um, you know, checking email, and what I call just, you know, a swipe fest, where you're just swiping my iPad, swiping my phone, and I'm looking for what's next, what's next, what's next. But going back to Sophia's quote, is it robbing me? Is it robbing me? of this real connection, you know, that she might have a life full of regrets about the role of the iPad, or in this case, technology played in her life when she's running out of days. You know, because our, you know, I mean, we don't have forever here, so we have massive opportunities to be connected to people, but this might be filling that void in a, in a, in a semi-artificial way. I think the second thing to realize is to recognize that it, that it can be addictive. You know, the, the nature of these things are that it kind of feeds this need for connection in my life. And it, it, it feels like it's nutrition. It feels like it's filling, but the, re, the reality is it's not filling me. It's, it's just mimicking this deeper need for connectivity that I have in my life that is not really being met. And when it's not being met, that sense of isolation, that real, that real, that reality in my life, I should say, is is present and it's sort of buried under this this mask of of uh, a false connectivity, so to speak. And I think the last thing to consider is you know pursue real pursue real connections. Look for those moments, those real moments where I'm talking to somebody. You know, I'm having a conversation. I am listening to somebody. I'm in a meeting. I'm um, with a group of friends. And is technology in those moments, those really rare, important moments, turns out, is technology interrupting me from giving my undivided attention, being fully connected to the people around me? I mean, I, I, one of the amazing things about social media is it does keep me aware of things that are happening. And recently, you know, a close friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in a long time, I found out that her, her spouse died all of a sudden. And, you know, I can click on a thing and say that I'm sad and I can even direct message to her. And my, I'm certainly sad, super saddened by this t tragic news in her life. She lives out of state and I haven't spoken to her in years. Her, her brother was a really close friend of mine at school. But I didn't pick up the phone and call her. And I should have. 
I really should have. So yeah, I'm connected with her. I understand that that's happening, but I'm more isolated and she is too. And she's in a moment where she might need people really to, to, to be there at her side and to support her. So something to think about. Um, I think that at the end of the day, I want my real life to exceed my digital one. And it's very easy for that to get flipped where my digital life seems so, you know, extensive and so dynamic and so up to date and so real that it is eliminating, you know, the, the real connection that I need to have. So my, my, my real life needs to be much more than my digital one. Um, so just, just some things to think about in this article that triggered this podcast about being so connected that you're disconnected. Um, the minister for loneliness <laughs> comes calling. So maybe, you know, when you think about this, as we're all reflecting on this world that we live in, this amazing world that we live in, filled with irony, that we might pick up the phone and call someone um, so that no minister of loneliness will come visiting them because we got there first. Just say. Why am I talking about Hurricane Florence? Well, as you know, we have an office in North Carolina and recently that hurricane hit and hit with a tremendous amount of force and there's a lot of people suffering. So um, it could have been a lot worse, but it was pretty bad. And I, it made me think going through that experience, I, I, I prepared for it, I left the state because I have an office back in Chicago, so I was fortunate enough to be able to leave. Um, but when I came back, I was talking to a lot of people about what it was like to ride out the storm. And I heard a lot of different, you know, comments to it was just a lot of rain to, you know, they had friends and family in, in, in areas which were really difficult. And even somebody I talked to was working for the state and will probably be working for weeks, certainly weeks, if not months, trying to help um, the cleanup around the state. But when I was thinking about this podcast and, and what I could talk about, it was really striking to me the power of that hurricane in many cases was in, in a specific, I'm sorry, in a specific case was to help people reconnect with each other. It was almost like it took the a hurricane to get people to talk again. And, you know, what happened? Um, you know, everybody's getting ready for it. They're preparing for the storm, but the storm hits and they're stuck inside, um, kind of riding it out. And a number of my friends just used it as an opportunity to have their families gather together and, and be together in a close quarter without electricity for what turned out to be, you know, one, two or three days with no electricity. And there's some hardship and there's some difficulties, but there was a silver lining in that experience. And that's what I want to talk about today, which is what would it actually take to force people to spend time with each other. And in this case, it took a hurricane. Underlying this whole thing is what gets us to unplug from technology. And as you're new to the podcast and you haven't heard, some of the, some of the topics I talk about are how difficult it is to get people to unplug from the technology in their day-to-day -day lives. You know, the research that we run is, you know, from the first 70% of the people that we poll is the first thing and the last thing they do every day is to check their 
their smartphone. They're constantly connected to technology. They're glued to it. It's not just email, which is, you know, clearly, you know, people are always checking their email, but it's text messages and alerts and social media, and they're on 24-7. They're always, they're always on their phone, their computers, and it's like everything is somehow connected to technology. You're listening to this podcast today. You're probably listening it on your phone. You're connected to technology. It's a reality of our lives. Well, one of the downsides of this reality is your so is, is constant connectivity kills connection. If you have an opportunity, go on to our website at thebrieflab.com and, and download a, cap, a copy of our annual report. We did a, a lot of research around how connectivity to technology is hurting human connection. People are just not good at talking to each other as much anymore. Um, certainly, you can start to see it in younger people where they're... They're so glued to, to their phones that if you just walk around, you know, you see them and just nobody's talking to each other. I remember specifically a, a birthday party where my daughter um, had all of her friends over and everybody was on their phone. My youngest daughter at the time, we didn't tell her to do this, got a big Tupperware bowl, a big container, walked around and told all the girls to put their phones in the bowl and... Um, and they all did it because she thought they, they thought she was in charge and she acted like she was in charge. But she forced them to, to hand over their phones because she was recognizing at the time, she probably was about six or seven years old, that none of these teenagers were going to talk to each other if they were going to be on their phones the whole time. They were taking pictures and they were like, you know, doing different things, but they weren't talking to each other. So the point of today's you know, podcast is what would it take to actually get people to talk to each other? And it would take a hurricane to unplug, you know. It's this new normal, noise and noise. You know, the Kenny Chesney song, you know, we, the great line in that song is, we didn't turn it on, but we can't turn it off, right? It was funny because when I was talking to one of my friends about the experience, you know, he said we were talking and we, we unplugged and we were with each other, but he was just kind of recalling what it's like at the dinner table, because one of the rules that he has at the, dinner, at the dinner table is they don't have phones at the dinner table. So he was talking about his son and how he, his son was sitting at the table and was kind of staring down at his plate. And he found him, he, had the, he, had, he was hiding in his thigh. It was called the, it was like the hide in the thigh where the phone was tucked under his right thigh. And he was, you know... He had these two terms, hide in the thigh and fake at the plate. So he was faking like he was looking at the plate, but he was actually looking down on his phone, which was tucked in his right thigh. So the rule was no phones at the table, but he was sneaking at the table. If you walk into a room for a normal family today, everybody's on their phones. You know, And if you're on your phone, you can't be talking to somebody. And there's a million reasons to do it. I mean, I do it. You're checking the weather. You're checking the sports scores. You're sending an email. Um, you're updating something. I mean, there's there's a thousand and one reasons to be on your phone, but those thousand and one reasons stop you from talking to the person next to you. So in the case of Hurricane Florence, the lack of electricity fundamentally was a reason why people were brought back together. Well, what do they do? So I talked to some people. Um, they took time to read a book. Um, this one mom that I was talking to, she's like, my daughter grabbed a book and she actually took a picture of her daughter reading a book. 
she's like, she doesn't read very much. And she took out a book and she was reading the book. So she was, even under candlelight, it was almost like back in the, the old days, right? People would take out candles and read books. Um, certainly they were talking. They had time to sit down and, and chat. I had another friend of mine who had a, another family over to his house for um, the entire um, storm. And they were, they had a big room and they all got together and they were, and they were talking quite a bit, telling stories and, and they were playing. Um, they found time to play, you know, board games. In this case, it might be spelled B-O-R-E-D instead of B-O-A-R-D because people were bored, but they were playing board games. They pulled out, you know, old board games, Monopoly and Risk, and they were playing board games, a lot, a lot of it. Um, this mom that I was talking about, her daughter was reading, and then, and then they had some friends over, and they were jumping on the trampoline in the pouring rain. And it was, the, the photograph was hysterical because you see all these high school kids jumping around on a, in a video on, the, on a trampoline, pouring rain. Um, so it was just these moments where, you know, what would it take for us to stop? To stop being, you know, so connected to this, to be able to just unplug. And I think it takes more and more willpower to do this. In this case, the hurricane forced people to do it. Maybe they wouldn't have done it on their own. Would people have just stopped and said, hey, let's play on the trampoline or let's read a book, let's talk to each other. Let's all sit down at the dinner table and just give each other our undivided attention. Maybe not. So the hurricane was the, the, the you know, what forced this choice. But under normal circumstances, what would, what would make us want to do that? And in, in, in get away from this constant connectivity to technology. And again, I don't have any problem with technology. I like it. I'm using it right now to make this podcast. And it's fantastic. I'm an early adopter. But the one of the downsides of this is it does really, really severely limit human connection. And I'm wondering myself as I'm doing this podcast and I'm thinking about these changes in our society, what, what kind of willpower do people need to have to, to do this, to, to, to unplug? You know, I have a, have a rule that I've suggested to people. It's called the 7 to 7 rule. And, and now the new uh, version of um, Apple's operating system has a, a do not disturb feature where you can set from, you know, time in the morning to, you know, through the night where the phone doesn't, you know, alert you. It's like do not disturb. I call this the 7 to 7 rule. Don't check your phone after 7 p.m. and don't check it before 7 a.m. And just make that a habit, like you're not connected to your phone, you know. And then if somebody needs to call you, they, you know, they can certainly call you. You've got a, a do not disturb, but you, apparently you can connect with favorites and they can still connect with you. But this whole fear of missing out, I'm going to miss out. Well, we might need to just choose to disconnect, you know. Just tech timeouts. Where are these sacred moments where we protect ourselves from this dinner? Um, certain times of the day at work where we just... I call it, like, you know, paper and pen over pixels, you know, just go old school. Use, use, um, use that time for quiet, for conversation, for, for, for human connection over connectivity. Again, there's a time and place for everything. So the big takeaway for me um, is that this, this hurricane was the big force for us to, to disconnect from technology. And it was a good thing that that happened, because that's, but how do we keep that going? Those are my thoughts for today. I guess 
as we face an information storm, the question is, can we survive as humans without another storm forcing us to reconnect with each other? Just saying. Our team at The Brief Lab is here for you. We know this is a difficult, unprecedented time for you and your teams. That's why we're creating even more free resources for you in the weeks ahead. We have an, another webinar, free webinar, on Friday, April 2nd. This time the topic is running better virtual meetings and is led by my talented colleague, Charlie Thornton. He'll talk to you about writing a good agenda, keeping people on track, engaging all participants, and planning for the strengths and weaknesses of technology. To sign up for the webinar, visit thebrieflab.com slash webinars. We're also starting a new weekly newsletter that aggregates our newest and most relevant free resources. The newsletter is called the Brief Lab Weekly Resource, and it goes out every Monday evening. In the weeks ahead, our newsletter will include links to short instructional videos, additional webinars, new white papers, and more. To sign up for our newsletter, go to any page on our website, thebrieflab.com, and subscribe at the bottom of the page.